Hey, what's going on, Who That Nation? It is yours truly, TJ Jones, the host of the State of the Saints podcast. Good morning to you. Um, I'm doing a live stream this morning. Um, I'm at the radio station. I'm in my office right now. Uh, I want to say thank you all for checking out the State of the Saints podcast. Really do appreciate that. Uh, Much love to everybody. Um, I'm actually going live on my phone today. Um, Got some things going on in the production room. Uh, so I'm not able to get behind the mic in there. Uh, but I do want to talk a little bit about some of the Saints news that we have uh, going on. Uh, you know, I, I, I titled this, uh, The Bad News Continues to Pile Up for the Black and Gold. And um, I think that is uh, the understatement of the decade. Um, <laughs> it just seems like every time that you uh, check out a a news feed or you check out like a news article, uh, there's some bad news uh, coming out of uh, Saints camp. Uh, this hasn't been a really good year for the New Orleans Saints when it comes to, uh, uh, you know, the battle of attrition. Um, there's been several injuries. Uh, guys have been getting hurt left and right. Now you have uh, suspensions coming down, uh, COVID outbreaks. You know, it's it just been a rough year, but we still remain true. We still call it carrying members of the Houdat Nation, and we are going to you know, continue to move and press forward. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about some of the uh, news stories that's been coming out of uh, Saints camp. I want to talk about it because I didn't get a chance to really uh, go live on yesterday. I had some things going on. Uh, Some of you probably know Paxton has been a little bit under the weather. Uh, So I really would just focus on, you know, taking care of him yesterday. So I didn't really get a chance to go live or try to record anything because the little man uh, had my undivided attention. But uh, first uh, story I want to talk about, I want to talk about Deontay Harris, three-game suspension. Uh, those that may not know, um, Deontay Harris was suspended by the National Football League uh, for a DUI that he got in the summer right before the season started. Uh, this is a three-game uh, a suspension. Uh, he will be able to return week 17. Uh, me personally, I think that this is a huge hit for the New Orleans Saints. Uh, we know that Deontay Harris is an explosive football player. Uh, he, he does a really good job in special teams and also on the field, man. Um, me personally, I think the Saints need to get him more involved. They need to dial up more plays for him because uh, just like that play versus Dallas Cowboys, I think those plays are too few and far in between. And I don't know if it's, it's because maybe the Saints don't feel like they got the right personnel to execute it. Uh, it's just the fact that maybe Sean Payton hasn't really tapped into what he can possibly do. Uh, with Deontay Harris, but he, it is a huge blow. Uh, I think he was the leading receiver on the team, if I'm not mistaken, from a wide receiver perspective. And um, he's one of those guys that can change the game. Um, we've seen this on several occasions. We've seen him return kicks. We've seen him uh, give the Saints great field position on punts and kick returns. So it's going to be, um, you know, a huge loss for them. Um, I know some Saints fans are like, man, who cares? Uh, the Saints aren't going to the playoffs anyway. The Saints already have so many people down, so when it rains, it pours. Uh, But uh, I look at it as a a good thing, though. You know, the fact that you don't have to go into next season uh, wondering what's the status on Deontay Harris, what's going to happen with him. uh, You know, now that he's going to serve this three-game suspension, uh, the Saints already have a down year. Now you can come back next year and know that you have Deontay Harris, uh, you know, and you don't have to worry about a suspension looming uh, over his head. So, Get it out of the way right now and uh, kind of just focus on the future. Uh, the Saints uh, have uh, activated in his place Aesop Winston, 
Uh, Esau Winston, some of you probably got opportunity to watch him play in preseason. Uh, he's a guy that I feel like is explosive in his own right. Don't really know why the New Orleans Saints didn't try to utilize him. Uh, he's kind of, you know, one of those guys like Deontay Harris. Uh, he has a lot of wiggle. He's elusive. Uh, he has some speed. And also, I think that he's uh, beneficial in the screen game. It was a couple of times where I've seen in games in preseason. And uh, I know it's preseason, but he ran the screen really well. And also, he was able to catch some uh, passes off those wide receiver screens, uh, you know, as you know as well. So I think this is going to be a huge move for the New Orleans Saints. And uh, kudos to them, man. You know, the Saints aren't trying to tank like some people expect them to do. They're not trying to go out here and just, you know, phone the season in. Uh, the Saints are continuing to try to uh, create a winning culture. Uh, if things aren't working, instead of trying to find ways to fix what's not working, uh, that includes uh, releasing guys like Kenny Stills. Uh, Kenny Stills has been uh, released by the New Orleans Saints. Um, he had 22 targets. Uh, he only caught five passes. I mean, it says, I mean, it's pretty much a grand opening, grand closing for Kenny Stills. Uh, I have to say I'm very disappointed in Kenny Stills. Very, very disappointed. Um, I felt when the Saints signed him, I thought that they would get a little bit more out of him. Um, I don't know if he's uh, just a prima donna or he just washed. I don't know what's going on with Kenny Stills, but he definitely stole money for, you know, several weeks from the New Orleans Saints. Really didn't do too much anything at all. Uh, that play against the Dallas Cowboys, that resort, uh, result in an interception. Uh, I think Sean Payton felt like he could have went for the ball, but he didn't. He made a business decision. Uh, Kenny Stills. Uh, I don't know if he's going to get another opportunity or not. Maybe, you know what I'm saying, as a camp body, but I don't think anybody's going to seriously give him an opportunity. You know, teams pay attention to that type of effort that he showed. And it wasn't like it was just a 12 o'clock game, you know, that you, you watch regionally. This was a nationally televised game on a Thursday night, and the entire uh, country saw Kenny Steele's, uh, you know, just give up on a play like that. And, and teams ain't trying to look for nothing like that. So Kenny Steele's, um, I don't know what happened. Uh, first time he was with the New Orleans Saints, seemed like he had a little bit more effort. It seemed like he had a little bit more confidence in himself. It seemed like, you know, he had, you know, something going for himself. But now I don't know what happened. You know, over the years, I guess, you know, you get older, uh, you know, you get a little money in your pocket, and all of a sudden you don't feel like you have to make those type of decisions like you did when maybe you didn't have as much money. Uh, but Kenny Stills was a huge disappointment. Uh, I have to say that was just a waste of, of space. Um, I don't feel like he benefit, you know, he the Saints benefited at all by bringing him in. And uh, the only thing I can remember about him is the fact that he wore uh, a purple mink coat to a Pelicans game. I mean, and if that's the only thing that I know about you, that just tells me it tells you everything you need to know about Kenny Stills. Very little production. I think the Saints made the right decision. Uh, the Saints also uh, released Malcolm Roach. Uh, don't really know why that happened. Um, I like Malcolm Roach a lot. I think that he's really good in run support. Um, I don't know if it's something that the Saints uh, did as far as like, well, we're just going to release you this week and bring you back the next week. We don't need you. Maybe it's just for uh, depth purposes. But Malcolm Roach is a really good football player. I think he's a solid player. And, um, you know, wouldn't, wouldn't surprise me at all, uh, you know, if he was to get picked up by another team, even though it's late in the season. I mean, he's a guy that can really contribute in a major way. So I think it has a lot to do with maybe depth purposes or the fact that the Saints are just trying to make a statement. Uh, Sean Payton isn't one of those coaches that likes losing. Uh, he's not one of those guys who, who you know, wants to tank a season or wants to give up on a season. That's just not his MO. 
So I just think that he's going to try to battle it out until the very end, which I have a lot of respect for when it comes to Sean Payton. Uh, another uh, story that's going down uh, is uh, Cam Jordan. Uh, you know, he's on a COVID-19 list. Most likely he's going to miss his first game of his NFL career, which is pretty remarkable to me. Um, Cam Jordan uh, has played in a, in a league 11 years and has yet to miss a game. And even him missing this game, it has absolutely nothing to do uh, with any uh, bodily injury to himself. That, that's, that's pretty uh, incredible. Now, I know some people are really upset at the effort of Cam Jordan. Some people feel like uh, the Saints are kind of wasting money with him right now. He's not the guy that he once was. But at the same time, man, when you have a guy that you can count on game in, game out, uh, you don't have to worry about him getting hurt on a, on a, at a position that we always wondering, are we going to have some type of depth there because guys are always hurt? I mean, think about all the guys that have come through the door. Um, Tano Passigno last year. You had Davenport. Uh, you got Peyton Turner, who, who were drafted this year. All these different guys who come in, but Cam Jordan is the only one that remains. And the fact that I think sometimes, you know, when guys are available, we have a tendency of taking them for granted because we expect for them to always be able to show up and show out. But, you know, Father Time is undefeated. And him missing, never missing a game, rather. Him never missing a game. I mean, it's going to take a toll on your body, man. I mean, y'all know what I'm talking about, man. I mean, Cam Jordan came to the Saints when he was like 21, 22 years old. So, I mean, this guy's like 31, 32 years old right now. He's not going to be the same player. But he still has something to contribute. I mean, he's still really good at run support and setting the edge. He's not getting the sacks the way he once did when he was getting double-digit sacks a couple of years ago. But I still think that he's one heck of a leader. I think that he's a really solid guy. Uh, he's really great in the community. Uh, he's nominated for Walter Payton Man of the Year uh, by the squad. So congratulations to him in that regard. But I, I have a lot of respect for Cam Jordan. And even though, you know, his career is, in my opinion, is starting to wind down, I would love to see him uh, get to that 100 sack, uh, you know, number where we can start talking to him about uh, being in a Hall of Fame. Uh, let me tell you my uh, – let me turn my Bluetooth off. Okay. Y'all let me know if y'all can hear me. Y'all can still hear me. I'm going to take these off. All right. Um, but I, I like Cam Jordan a lot. I got a lot of respect for him. Um, I think that he's one heck of a, a football player. So I want to see him get that 100 sack because that's when you start talking about guys going into the Hall of Fame. Uh, don't feel like he will be like a first ballot or anything like that. But – I do think that he's going to be like, uh, you know, one of those guys that's going to get in there, uh, you know, eventually. Uh, but and also Mark Ingram uh, landed on the list, too. Um, you know, I, I got to say this. Um, you know, I'm, I'm really questioning the NFL. I'm really questioning the NFL. Um, the fact that they are trying uh, to talk about, you know, doing all these different precautions for COVID-19. You know, me personally, I don't think they give a, a you-know-what about the players. Uh, the only thing they care about is making sure that games are available to, to appease their sponsors. Because if you have a huge outbreak in a, f a facility like the Dallas Cowboys, when it wipes out your entire coaching staff, when you have players, uh, you know what I'm saying, being in close contact with some of these coaches and some of these personnel uh, people, and then all of a sudden you expect for those players to go out there and go up against another team. It just tells me everything I need to know about the NFL. And you cannot tell me that the reason why uh, Cam Jordan didn't land on the COVID list 
Mark Ingram is on a COVID list, doesn't have anything to do with the game that they played against the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, these guys were affected uh, by the Dallas Cowboys, in my opinion. Uh, even though you may not have any symptoms, does not mean uh, that you are not carrying COVID-19. And I think that it played a huge role uh, in the Saints not having Cam Jordan and, and, and not having Mark Ingram. So I think that the NFL should be ashamed of themselves. Uh, I just think that they seen that it was a Thursday night game. It was an opportunity for them to get a money grab. Um, they didn't want to cancel the game uh, due to the fact of a COVID outbreak. So they just went out there and they put those guys' uh, health in jeopardy. So I have absolutely no respect for the NFL in that regard. Uh, they knew that there was a possibility that the Dallas Cowboys organization, they could possibly have some carriers, even though guys, uh, you know, probably tested negative. It takes a few days in order for that uh, to get into your system enough for you to be tested and for any type of results to come out. Um, I, I just think they should be ashamed of themselves. And now the Saints who have been playing behind the eight ball the entire season uh, continue to, to go and play behind the eight ball because of Dallas Cowboys and NFL's uh, lust uh, for sponsorship, money, and um, and opportunities to parade the product on the field. Uh, we already know that they don't care about the, the player's health because, you know, why would you expect for a player to play on Sunday and then turn around and play on a Thursday uh, after it takes only a few, you know, it takes a few days uh, for a guy even to heal up from a game uh, from Sunday. So around Thursday, that's when guys start to feel healthy enough to be able to play on Sunday. I think that is an absolute disgrace. Um, I think that is a shame. And I think that the NFL is is completely responsible for Mark Ingram and Cam Jordan and any other uh, Saints player that may find, that find themselves on the COVID list because they know that the Dallas Cowboys organization uh, were riding dirty, if you speak. Um, no disrespect to the Dallas Cowboys. I mean, they were only doing what they were told. Uh, but at the same time, you got to be able to look out for the best interests of the, of the players and your product. And um, this is one of the main reasons why when people get mad at players for trying to get the most money possible, uh, making business decisions about sitting on the sidelines instead of going out there, giving it the old college try. I think that's why we have to take this into consideration because we as fans, sometimes we, we have a tendency of always looking at the players and what they're not doing right, but we never look at what the NFL is doing. We're never looking at how they're expecting these guys to do, uh, you know, uh, supernatural things, um, you know, for their uh, viewing pleasure and enjoyment and their, uh, monetary game. I, I just think that it's sad, but I think that we need to look at the NFL just like we need to look at players. Okay, uh, we look at players week after week after week. Uh, we might look at a, a referee uh, when they uh, are appointed to a game. Uh, we we look at a uh, different situation about the NFL when it's in our face. But unlike uh, you know some of these players, the NFL can have a way of like pushing the narrative away from them. Rather, it's them making a phone call to uh, ESPN, NFL Network, in order for them to kind of quiet situations where the microscope needs to be on the NFL. But they're so busy trying to put those micro uh, micro uh, microscopes on players, right? You know, they want us to be mad at a player because he wants to get more money. They want us to be mad at a player that he's having a lingering injury, but that isn't out there trying to uh, go out there and play hard. You know, they want to keep that narrative up there. But when any time the NFL uh, needs to be held accountable for anything at all, uh, we talk about it for a day or two. And then the next thing you know, we're talking about what Aaron Rodgers did or what Russell Wilson decision is or, you know, what I'm saying what this player, that player of high profile is going to do. 
The NFL needs to be held more responsible than it does. And it's sad that we don't pay attention to that. And it's not our fault because the way that we are uh, when it comes to the news, I mean, you're getting news from everywhere. I mean, if you're on social media, um, if you're watching television, I mean, there's so much news for us to grasp. It's hard for us to be able to departmentalize and grab onto this when something over here is trying to get our attention. So the NFL has that luxury and that benefit for us not to be able to pay that much attention to them and pay more attention to what they actually bring in on the field. But these guys need to be held responsible for that. This COVID-19 outbreak is, is strictly on, is, is strictly uh, the NFL's fault. They're responsible, and they need to be able to take care of their players more than what they're doing right now. These guys aren't uh, circus animals. Uh, they're not, you know what I'm saying, just something at the zoo for our own viewing pleasure. And, you know what I'm saying, even though they're there to entertain us, they're not there just for us not to understand that these guys are humans. And they deal with situations just like us. They just may be in a different tax bracket. I mean, if you playing basketball, pick up in, in a gym or something like that, and all of a sudden you come down with a rebound and you twist your ankle, right? You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, that's, that's of the same magnitude of a guy going up for a catch and he comes down wrong, right? You you expect for you to you expect to go to the doctor, uh, you know what I'm saying, put an ace bandage on it, you know what I'm saying, to stay off your feet for a little while. But we don't get that. We we look at ourselves as human, but we look at these guys as superhuman, understandably so. But they're still humans at the end of the day. But let me go ahead and read some of your comments. And uh, I apologize for, you know, the, the sound being a little bit low when I had my Bluetooth on. I'm going to go ahead and read some of your comments and then we'll just go forward with that. Feel free to comment about anything that you want to talk about today. Drink a little bit of this water. Feel free to talk about anything you want to discuss um, today. We're going to go with Mike. Mike says, uh, you're right, TJ. I think uh, mentality, uh, his heart, not in football anymore. I was expecting so much more from him as well. And, Mike, this isn't like we're just talking about a guy that's like 31, 32 years old. Kenny Stills is still relatively young. He's a guy that still has a lot of game left in him. He still has that speed that he had when the Saints drafted him out of Oklahoma. So I don't understand the angle, you know, and I, I know some people would probably talk about uh, some of his social justice initiatives and how he started to roll with cap and how all of a sudden, you know, what I'm saying it, it kind of changed the way that he, he thought and the way that he played. But I don't think it had anything to do with that. Right. Um, regardless of what your political situation is or what you want to fight for, uh, you still should be able to go out there and play football. You know, I just feel like he just kind of quit on the team. Um, I, you know, I think that's one of the reasons why the Saints end up trading him uh, back in the day. Um, you know, when the Saints was having some locker room issues back in the day, uh, when they were trying to get some of those bad apples out of there, like Junior Gallette and, you know, Kenny Stills and Brandon Cooks and some of these other guys like Akeem Hicks. Uh, that's why he fell into that category, you know, and it's not hard for you to see why. You know, I, I want if I'm a coach, I want a player that's going to go out there and that's going to fight. You know, it's going to go out there and they're going to try to battle. They're going to try to be competitive. And, you know, I, I want to be able to know that this guy has heart. Um, looking at uh, Kenny Stills, I question this dude's uh, – I, I question his motivation. I question his heart out there on the field because sometimes I just see him seem like he was just phoning it in. I mean, that's just my opinion. I mean, I could be wrong. Pretty sure somebody going to come through with some analytics to try to justify how good Kenny Stills is. But, look, man um, – you know, I, I I get on social media and I talk to people all the time. And, you know, what I'm saying a lot of the times 
you know, I, I just be saying stuff that's on my mind. You know, I don't go on social media to try to debate with anybody. You know, I try to talk a little bit about how I feel about a situation. Then all of a sudden, here comes somebody with some analytics. I, I, I don't care about analytics. I don't think analytics tells you the whole story. I don't think analytics can uh, decide heart. I don't think analytics can decide passion. I don't think analytics can, can decide, you know what I'm saying, a person's mentality in general. So you can come up with all these different type of analytics, but I know what I see when I look at out there on the field. I see when guys are phoning it in. I see when guys are not playing up to their full potential. So they can it, analytics can say anything it wants to say, but I'm still going to stand uh, by how I feel about the situation. I mean, Kenny Stills looking at him, he just wasn't it. And um, I think the Saints could get a lot more. I mean, I don't know if they can get it from the practice squad or not. And even if, you know, that's the case, the fact that they feel like Kenny Steele were better than what they had on the practice squad is really sad. Or maybe they just looked at it from a monetary standpoint, maybe because Kenny Steele was making a certain amount of money and they didn't want that production just sitting in the practice squad room or being on a practice squad. But nevertheless, um, you shouldn't jeopardize your, your season uh, just because a guy's making a certain amount of money. If he's not benefiting the team, then you have to do what's necessary in order to make the move or, you know, put somebody in their place uh, in order for that person to be productive. Because, you know, I don't think sometimes looking at a guy in practice or looking at a guy film room, in a film room isn't going to always tell the story. Sometimes guys are better gamers than they are, you know, preparators. You know, the guys pre uh, preparing for a game, uh, you, you see guys, you know, maybe they're not uh, always wired in at practice, but when they get out there on the field, you're seeing them making plays. That's the only justification I would have for why Lil Joe and Humphrey was in street clothes and Kevin White was out there playing because anybody can see uh, that Kevin White is not better than Lil Joe and Humphreys right now. I mean, Lil Joe and Humphreys, every time he gets on the field, uh, he's catching passes, he's catching touchdowns, he's getting yards after the catch, he's trying hard. And I'm saying Kevin White, he just run fast, right? I mean, you're running fast, but when the ball goes your way, it's slipping through your hands. So what's the point, okay? You know what I'm saying? Like, that's like having Usain Bolt out there. Yeah, you're fast, but how are you benefiting if you're a wide receiver? Wide receiver job is to block on the edge and catch passes, right, when the quarterback throws you the ball. So if the quarterback throws you the ball and you're getting away from the defender and you're not catching it, I mean, why are you there? What's the point? Somebody explain that to me. I don't know. Remember what the NFL did last year when Lamar Jackson and some Baltimore Ravens players got COVID? They canceled the game and they played it on like a Wednesday. Yeah, I think Mocha, that was a good idea, but, um, you know, the NFL didn't want to go that route. You know, the NFL, uh, they, they don't want to cancel any games, right? Because they want to try to get a, as much revenue. They want to get as many eyes on the product that they possibly can. Uh, there's no coincidence why, you know, some of these games are on Thursday nights, um, on uh, Saturdays, on Sundays, you know what I'm saying? Like, because... Those are the times where people are most stationary. You know, back in the days, if you're an avid TV watcher like myself, you know, Thursday night was the slot. You know, you think about, uh, you know, back in the days when, when we used to watch Martin on Fox and Living Single and Friends and all these different uh, sitcoms that were really, really popular, Emmy Award winning uh, sitcoms. They used to premiere on Thursday because that was a great slot on Thursday night primetime. So that's one of the main reasons why the NFL decided that. Uh, Sunday, what, what happens on Sunday? You know, most people are off work because they're working Monday through Friday. Uh, Saturday, you know, like they kind of pencil themselves in, you know, when college football uh, starts to kind of tinker off when they get into bowl season because there's a slot there. 
So the NFL is looking at more of an advantage from their own standpoint. So looking at a Wednesday night, uh, middle of the week, uh, you know, they call it hump day for a reason. People trying to get over that hump. They ain't really thinking about TV. They thinking about trying to get ready for the weekend. So I think that's one of the main reasons why the NFL uh, really don't want these games to be canceled and be in the middle of the week because they want to be able to uh, capitalize on as much, uh, you know, so many eyes and so much uh, money. You know, I mean, if you play a game on Wednesday and nobody really watching it, the sponsors are going to be like, man, you know what I'm saying? Like, we want people to be able to pay attention uh, to this Bud Light commercial. They want to pay attention to this uh, Tostito commercial. So if you don't have eyes on that, you know, you're going to lose money. So the NFL understands that. Uh, the sponsors understand that. So their job is to make the, the sponsors as happy as they possibly can. And uh, the NFL is going to do just that. Aaron says, uh, do you think the Saints are going to play in book or just bring Trevor Simeon back out? I'd like to see what the rookie can do. Aaron, that's a good question. Um, the more people that I talk to, hold on. I get that. Hold on. All right, Aaron, uh, that's a good question. I'll get to yours, uh, Tyra. But um, I don't think that you're going to see Ian Book. Um, I don't think there's a reason why you will see him uh, this week or next week. Look, I, I told you, uh, the Saints have a, a winning mentality. Uh, I just think that by bringing Ian Book out there on the field, it's almost like you're conceding that your season is a failure. And even though it looks like a failure, it smells like a failure, uh, we see the direction the team is going in. We know that most likely wins are very few and far between over the next five games. But you don't want to indicate that, right? You know what I'm saying? Like, we, we don't want, uh, you know, that to be, uh, you know, a thought inside of the locker room. Guys have to uh, continue to stay dialed in, continue to stay focused. And I think by Sean Payton, Going out there and allowing Ian Book to be the quarterback, I think it sends the wrong message. I'm just like you, though, Aaron. You know, I would like to see what Ian Book can do. Uh, I'm excited to see it. And I think, you know, it's because, you know, he's the new guy, right? He's the guy that we've seen uh, play on, on countless occasions on NBC uh, for Notre Dame. He's a winner. He's won a lot of games at Notre Dame. Uh, he comes in, you know what I'm saying, with that. Uh, and also, you know, he did a few good things in preseason. And, and and also, you have to take into account the Saints aren't winning many games, right? So um, when teams are not winning, you know, we always looking for solutions to the problem. I don't think Ian Book is the solution to the problem. And also, you have to uh, pay attention to the confidence um, of, of, a, of a young player. You know, you don't want to put him out there and just have him going out there throwing passes to Esau Winston or throwing passes out there to – Marquez Callaway, you know what I'm saying? You want to give this guy the best opportunity to succeed because you don't want to mess with a guy's confidence. He goes out there trying to get a ball to uh, one of these receivers that don't want to catch contested catches, uh, can't win their one-on-one -on -one matchups. And the next thing you know, you know what I'm saying, he has a stinker. Then all of a sudden the fan base just talking about what's going on with him. Why is he here? It's a waste of time. We ain't got no quarterbacks because, I mean, we all know that's how it's going to go. We're not going to look at the fact that this guy doesn't have all hands on deck. We're not going to look at the fact that this guy is young and inexperienced and you need some seasoned veterans around him to help him succeed. No, um, that's not the way that most of us think. Most of us think about the end result, right? If, if Ian Book stinks it up and the Saints win, let's give him another chance. If he stinks it up and the Saints lose, oh, get that bum up out of here. Uh, we don't, some of us aren't, aren't looking at, oh, giving this guy a chance. We're looking at giving this guy a chance because we feel like he can – 
uh, he can change the Saints' misfortunes. But um, I, I don't think that's a good idea. I think that you only re- would be hurting uh, this kid's confidence, in my opinion. I think that if you uh, go out there and have a quarterback competition in, in preseason next year and you have some wide receivers come in, you have Michael Thomas come back, and you you see some improvement and he's up there, then you give him an opportunity. But I don't think that you should be giving him an opportunity uh, with some guys that we see isn't uh, in his best interest to help him succeed. Tyra says, with the new cap announcement, the Saints are predicted to be $61 million over the cap. There will be some more unfortunate cuts. Once again, get ready for it. Uh, I, well, I think that that's the reason why you have to go out here and you have to draft better. Um, you have to go out here and try to get the best players that you possibly can. You know, the thing about the New Orleans Saints is the, the New Orleans Saints aren't a bad football team. You know, we, we talk about all of these different injuries that they sustain. They have so many guys that are injured. Um, they, they, you know, it's hard for you to win, you know, when you have your, your players on deck. So imagine how it is now that you don't even have your star players. Uh, I think that we are getting like this misconception about what the New Orleans Saints team uh, actually is. Uh, I think at full strength, this is a really good team, a playoff team. Uh, and I think that we shouldn't forget that. Um, as far as the being $61 million over the cap, um, I mean, the Saints have been dealing with cap issues since, I mean, as long as I can possibly remember over the last five to six years. And that still didn't hinder them from going out there and putting a, a really good product on the field. Look, I just think that if uh, the Saints probably wouldn't have had some injuries this season, I think the Saints uh, would still be up there with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, uh, uh, even if I would say they probably would be leading the division. The the NFC is terrible this year. I mean, you look across the board. I mean, it's been bad football left and right. You know, it's not like, uh, you know, we're seeing just some team that just blow it out of the water. I mean, every team to me in the NFC is equally – uh, is good or equally bad. I feel like this is an equal playing field. So I don't think that the Saints are just that terrible. If, if you know, they didn't have these injuries, that they wouldn't be in the top three, you know what I'm saying, top four uh, seeds in an in a NFC playoff uh, picture. So um, I think that this team, once they get back together, once they get some guys back healthy, uh, you know, hopefully you won't have the same type of situation repeat itself next year. I think this team still can be a playoff contender. I think they need to change some things around. I think they need to get younger at some positions. Um, I think maybe you need to think about um, letting some guys go, you know, people like Malcolm Jenkins, uh, maybe, you know, saying even Teron Armstead, you know, uh, you know, I, I mean, I like Teron Armstead, but I think that, you know, the money that he's going to demand, uh, he's getting up there in age and all those injuries that he sustained, I think it's time for you maybe to look in another direction or maybe change some things around in order for you to try to, you know, save some money in that regard. I would be highly surprised if Armstead comes back. Uh, if he does, it's probably going to be for, you know, little, little, uh, little amount of years and, um, you know, a reasonable amount of money, you know, and I think that Teron Armstead feels like he should still be paid as one of the top left tackles. So I think that's going to be an issue, uh, you know, and maybe he'll end up going somewhere else, but, I do think that you need to change some things around um, and also be able to draft better. You know, you have to go out here and have to get some guys um, to make plays on offense. Uh, I think that the Saints are, are losing their way offensively because they spend so much time uh, trying to get guys on defense, you know, guys that you never even heard of. Instead of you going out here getting a short thing 
at an offensive position where a guy can actually uh, compete and win his matchup and maybe we wouldn't even be in this situation that we're in right now if the Saints would have been smart enough and, and you know, and not as, as cocky as they were. They felt like, you know, I really feel like Sean Payton cockiness played a role uh, in the way that this team is uh, structured offensively as of right now. Um, I don't think that the Saints felt that, you know, Sean Payton couldn't get the best out of these players right now. Uh, I, I think that they focus more on defense because defense has been their issue over the last few years. And um, I think that, you know, they felt like Sean Payton can, you know, scheme up anything so the offense can be formidable. And as you can see, you can be the best coach in the world, but you still need some players that can go out there and execute, make plays, and, uh, you know, get the you know get the best um, out of that player. You know, so but the Saints haven't been doing it. You know, they've been relying on Michael Thomas. They've been relying on Alvin Kamara. And uh, now that those guys are down, we see that, you know, the, the talent gap is uh, very, very, uh, very wide when it comes to uh, Michael Thomas from the next receiver, uh, Alvin Kamara to the next running back. I mean, it's just bad. So they need to focus on trying to restructure this offense if they're going to be trying to win anything, because I'm not confident that the Saints are going to continue to have success if they're going to continue to go out here getting no name guys that you never even heard of and expecting these guys to develop around week, I mean, year two, year three. Uh, sometimes, like, you want to get guys that you see flashes in their early stages of their career, something that you can actually build on. I don't want to say, oh, this guy's a rookie, but around year three, he should be better. No, I, I want to see this guy come into the league, do some really good things, and as time progresses, uh, you see his growth. Um, it's kind of like with Michael Thomas, right? Like, we seen Michael Thomas coming. Like, you seen Michael Thomas uh, you know, emerging as a, a top receiver in the league from his rookie season, right? You've seen him catching everything. You've seen him going up here, you know what I'm saying, make, running really good routes, winning his matchups. You you saw that. So you knew that eventually around year three, year four, that he was going to be special. You, you, you don't see that uh, when it comes to some of these Saints players. I think they'd be waiting for year three, year four for these guys to develop. But here's the problem. Uh, if these guys are late round draft picks, around year three, year four, if they start to develop around year three, you're only getting like one year of production out of this guy, right? So if you have a guy that, that struggled his rookie season, struggled, you know what I'm saying, start to kind of find himself his second season, but then became a world beat his third season, now fourth season, he's going to be asking for top dollar, and you just wasted two years because, you know, you didn't get the production out of him that you needed to help your team win. So they have to be careful with that, you know. Try to get guys that's going to be able to make an impact uh, right then and there. Because if you don't, then you're going to be in situations kind of like with Trey Hendrickson, right? Trey Hendrickson, the final season with the New Orleans Saints, he gets double-digit sacks. But he's been with the New Orleans Saints for four years. Yo, TJ, what you think about uh, Enos Freedom uh, protests against the NBA in China? I'm going to be honest. I'm going to be honest with you. Uh, I haven't been following that. Um, I, I ain't really been focused on that. And, and honestly, I, if I was to tell you anything, I'd probably just be blowing smoke up in my heart. But that's one of those situations I'm just going to have to look into. And I'm going to be honest with you, man. I, I'm, I'm, I'm one of those people. It's not like I, I'm not, I mean, I'm oblivious to what's going on. Uh, but, man, all this stuff, you know, it, it becomes like so frustrating uh, to watch. You know, waking up every morning, trying to find something to be angry about, something, you know what I'm saying, that, that you know, 
that just going to grind my gears to a point where it just mess up my whole day, mess up my whole life. And I understand that there are issues in this world that we need to solve, but I can't do that anymore, man. I just can't wake up, you know, and have that type of mind frame where I got to be, you know, so, you know, involved in something to a point where I just feel like it just messes everything up. Cause, um, you know, it, it, this world right now is just, you know, to me, it's just so divided. And, um, I think the reason why it's divided is because you have these powers that be that try to put these stories out here to try to divide us. But the real solution is, of uh, us, you know, saying joining together. But as long as you continue to have these type of, uh, situations going on, these stories that divide us when we have difference of opinion and one side saying this, the other side saying this, we'll never get together. So me personally, man, I try to focus on some of the positive things uh, in sports, positive things in life. And um, I just try to, uh, you know, live every day to try to be the best I can possibly be. And I, I expect everybody else to do the same thing. But I, I give you a, I give you an answer. I'll look into it. I'll read it. And if you ask me that again, Mocha, most likely I have a better answer for you. Mark says, I think Taysom Hill will do well as a running style quarterback this Sunday in the rain and cold versus the New York Jets. Yeah, Mark. Uh, yeah. Um, I think that the way that the Saints uh, can use Taysom Hill, um, I think that when he was running the football, running in between the tackles, I want to say he had maybe like six or seven first downs on his own merit last week. Uh, he really like took over the game a little bit offensively he became the saints only offensive weapon in my opinion uh but you look i think all this stuff is just fine right now um giving Taysom hill an opportunity to go out here and play quarterback put some stuff on film uh but i just don't think that it's just a long-term solution i don't think that this is uh long-term success i don't think you're going to get long-term success with Taysom hill uh there's nothing against Taysom hill i like him a lot but we have to be realistic folks Taysom Hill is a guy who stayed injured at BYU, okay? Uh, he stayed injured, all right? And even when he had opportunities to be the starting quarterback, we see that now he's starting to get wear and tear. I mean, I don't think that you you have to be a genius to understand that if you're running, you know, this RPO, uh, this smash mouth H power back type of quarterback system, uh, you're going to see some wear and tear on Taysom Hill's body. Uh, I think that two things can happen here. Uh, I think that you're going to get success because Taysom Hill runs that extremely well. But on the flip side, he's going to sustain uh, a certain amount of injuries. Uh, and I, like I said, if you, if you, if you think that just going to be long-term success, I just think that that's wrong, you know, because it's two things that's going to happen here. He's going to go out here. He's going to, you know, play hard. Um, that's the only way that Taysom knows how to do it. And he's going to get hurt. Then you're going to find yourself looking for another quarterback again. So I don't I don't think that this reckless smash mouth style is sustainable, um, you know, not not at the quarterback position. I think that mixing him in between uh, doing the same thing he was doing since Drew Brees was here when Jameis was here. I think that you're going to find success with that. But the only thing about it is Taysom Hill is always going to be one of those guys that's going to be in a conversation. Like why we ain't playing Taysom, especially uh, if the Saints continue to have him in that Swiss Army role. And let's just say, for example, a quarterback struggles because, you know, if a quarterback struggles nine times out of 10, you know, Taysom Hill's production is amplified. Right. So let's just say if Jameis is not having a good game, he's overthrowing guys. or He might throw an interception or he might make a mistake or two. 
and you put Taysom Hill out there in between, and he running between the tackles, and he getting 14 yards, and he throw the ball down the field for a 23-yard gain. People going to always be saying, man, why Taysom ain't in? So Taysom is always going to be a fan favorite in that regard uh, until, you know, you actually see him on the field in real-time situation as a starting quarterback, and then you're like, oh, okay, I understand. But uh, that's the way I, I – that's the future I see for Taysom Hill. I see Taysom Hill being a guy that's always going to be – uh, in a conversation as one of the best New Orleans Saints fan favorites. Uh, but I do think that if you continuously have him as a starting quarterback, it's only a matter of time before he gets hurt. Yo, T already read that one. Stroll down a little bit more. Mike says Cap is a uh, myth uh, to Mickey Loomis. I do believe that the Saints need to retool certain positions, but the core is still there to compete for a championship next year. Yeah, I believe that. You know, I think that the Saints are just as competitive as any other team. I think that Sean Payton, the coaching staff, do a really good job getting guys uh, that that buy into the system, uh, that that go out there and you know compete for one another. Good locker room guys, but at the same time, I mean, you have to be careful. Uh, you know that you don't fall into that trap of you know keeping guys too long. Uh, I think that the Saints, uh, like some of these other teams out here, like uh, I want to say like the Packers, um, uh, like the Patriots, you know, they do a really good job in the draft. And then they go out here and they get like, you know, good free agents, good solid guys. And they may not be like the top free agents, which I'm I'm just not an advocate of getting unless the guy's like extremely special. Uh, I feel like some of these guys who – uh, go to these other teams, uh, you know, play really pretty well. Team don't want to pay them maybe because they're not a household name and they come to teams like the Saints and they make an impact. I think about people like Mario Davis. Mario Davis was a solid linebacker in, in many systems with the Jets, uh, with the Browns. Uh, but he got the opportunity to really be special with the New Orleans Saints. Now, if some of us, uh, you know, looked at this and said, oh, the Saints signed Demario Davis. And we would have looked at it like, who is Demario Davis? Like, why they ain't go out here and get, you know, this other top linebacker that I heard of doing things for the Giants or doing things for the Eagles? Uh, we wouldn't have had something special in Demario Davis. So I do think that there are diamonds in the rough that we don't really pay attention to. And when they come to a situation like the New Orleans Saints where a team is really relying on them and, and put that C on their chest and say, man, you're going to be our guy, I think it definitely uh, raises – uh, that guy's intensity helps them um, play a little bit more effectively because they feel like a team is not just going to yank them off the field. You know what I'm saying? Because they got this this draft pick that they had, and this guy has to work. So um, I do think the Saints need to get a little bit younger. I think they need to get some more guys in the draft. But I do think the Saints need to start going with a little bit more short things. It's good that you went through the trees, you know what I'm saying, and you canoed in a boat and – you found this uh, hybrid defensive end from a school that nobody even heard of. But sometimes, man, like when you're watching these guys uh, on a big stage at these power schools and they're doing something special, uh, sometimes, man, you just got to call it for what it is and go out there and grab those guys. Like, man, you don't have to – you didn't have to be blind to know that Jamar Chase was going to be special. Uh, Justin Jefferson was going to be special. Patrick Queen was going to be special. Devin White was going to be special. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Some of these other guys out here, Greg Newsom, you know what I'm saying? Doing some pretty decent things out there in Cleveland. You know, like you, you didn't have to uh, guess and wonder if these guys are playing at a high level on a big stage that they're not going to be able to transition uh, to the pros. 
Uh, I, I don't think that the Saints need to look at it that way. I think the Saints overthink themselves when it comes to the process. I think that the Saints uh, care more about people looking at them as being geniuses and turning guys into like household names. I think they get a kick out of that. But I'd rather have a guy that has great production, a guy that I know for a fact that I can teach him a few other things to really take his uh, game to the next level. And I'll be content with that versus a guy that came from a small school. I have to wonder if he's going to be able to uh, transition to the pros. And if he transitioned to the pros, what type of pro is he going to be? Um, it, I think that sometimes you need to go with a short thing. And though that short thing don't have to always come out of Ohio State. You know, even though Ohio State uh, have, um, you know, saying some really good uh, wide receivers out there, you know, uh Olavier, you know what I'm saying, Olave or whatever his name is, you know, the wide receiver. I can't really pronounce his name. Of course, y'all know who I'm talking about. I mean, really good solid guys, but I mean they got good wide receivers all over the board. You know what I'm saying? You got Boutte out there at LSU. I mean, you got, you know what I'm saying, other guys all over the country that can be able to compete and be day one starters for your team. And they don't have to come from Fresno State and they ain't gotta come from uh Cockadoo State and they ain't gotta be coming from all the way Beijing and you you go out there and you find him playing in, in somebody's sandlot backyard. I mean, you got good players that can come in and give you this type of production uh, right away. And I just feel like the Saints sometimes, uh, you know, they don't get the production out of these guys that they come from these other schools until like year three, year four. And by that time, their contract is up. People forget uh, Jamison Williams uh, was damn near four strain on Ohio State roster. Uh, with these guys started, look at what he's doing at Bama. Yeah, man, look, I think that the guy is good. Uh, me personally, I think the guys at Ohio State are better than him. I think that people just look at this guy's speed and we just think that all of a sudden, you know, he just, you know, like he, I I, I mean, he's good, but I don't think he's better than Griffin and I don't think he's better than Alavi, um, Alavi, um at um at Ohio State. I just don't. Like, I seen him in his, I think that people are starting to really say this dude's name uh, because of what he did in his SEC championship game. I think that's the reason why people are catapulting him over those guys at Ohio State. I don't feel like, me personally, I don't feel like he's a, a game changer, you know what I'm saying, to a point where I just see him, if Michael Thomas was to go down, uh, he going to go out there and give you 150 yards. Yeah, he'll be get behind a defender, but, I mean, you got that in Deontay Harris. I mean, I, I don't see, like, when I look at Williams, I don't see special. I don't see transcendent. I don't see a guy that I'm going to be talking about uh, five, ten years from now in the National Football League. I just see a guy that's fast. I see a guy that's fast. I see a guy that's faster than everybody else. And But I, fundamentally sound, I think the guys at Ohio State are better than him. Like, just looking at the way that he's in and out of his cuts, uh, the way that, it, you know, he uses his hands, those guys are better than him. I, like, I, I will say that. Like, do I think he's good? Yes. Do I think that he will contribute on a team? Yes. But but I don't think that he's going to be one of those guys that just stand out and, and be like, you know, a, a Julio or Amari Cooper, or Kelvin Ridley. I don't see that in him. I don't. I just see a guy that's fast. I mean, he ain't he ain't he ain't terrible. He ain't terrible, but I, I've seen better than him. I seen I seen better receivers from him from other schools. To be honest with you. Uh, Traylon Burks is a sleeper, the biggest slot or receiver in the draft, 6'3", 225. He doesn't play much on the outside, but he's capable of doing things. Mocha, um, I, I, look, 
I, I, I know who this guy is. I know, you know, I think that he's really good. Uh, but I, I want a guy that can play on the inside and outside. I, I think that we need to get away from guys doing one particular thing uh, well. I, I want to see a guy doing multifaceted things um, in order for them to, like, really stand out. Like, I want if Michael Thomas was to go down again, I want people to understand this. If Michael Thomas was to go down again, I want another guy that can come in that can give you that 100 yards. I want a guy that if Michael Thomas goes down, we miss him, but not to a point where it just affects our offense as a whole. And I think that's something that we need to get away from as, as Saints fans, including myself. The Saints have role players at receiver. They have guys that can do certain things well, and they put them out there. So what happens if that guy gets hurt, that number one guy gets hurt, and you want this guy to compensate for the guy that's hurt, he can't do it because you didn't train him to be a slot receiver. So if you put him on the outside, he's not winning his matchup because he do most of his damage on the inside. Or a guy that plays most of the, on the outside because he runs fast and he can get behind the defense. But if another guy gets hurt, like a slot guy, you have to kind of change up his role and put him on the inside. He's not winning his matchup because he's used to being on the outside. I want a guy to be able to do inside, outside, be able to, you know what I'm saying, like make moves, you know what I'm saying, get yards after the catch. I want a guy to be able to do uh, several things because it's not like how it was when Drew Brees was here. Drew Brees could allow these guys to be what they were, you know what I'm saying, let them flourish in that role because he knows whatever coverage that he's he looking at, this guy's going to win his matchup, so I'm going to throw it to him. I don't feel like the Saints have that luxury anymore. The Saints need to surround whoever the quarterback is with playmakers. You know, I think that Drew Brees made a lot of wide receivers better than what they actually were. And I don't feel bad for saying this because if they go anywhere else, they weren't as impactful as they was when Drew was here. Drew was special in that regards. I don't think any other quarterback would be able to do what Drew did uh, for the New Orleans Saints, which is make those wide receivers better. So what you need to do is go out there and try to find guys that can make plays and also help this, the quarterback look better. I think that it needs to be kind of the roles being in reverse. Uh, let's see. Pammy people sleep on, um, what was it, Mache, uh as well. Uh, he's another one that might go in the second round. I would love him as well. Yeah, I think that uh, Mechie, I think that's what you, you're talking about out of Alabama. Yeah, I mean, he's a good player, man. Unfortunately, he tore his ACL. Uh, it might affect his draft stock, but I do think that uh, he'll probably be ready for uh, training camp or probably, you know, um, a couple weeks after the season starts. Uh, I think that he would be a, a really good uh, find for the New Orleans Saints, but um, that's only if the New Orleans Saints go out here and um, they get themselves a, a receiver in free agency, you know, get another guy that can be opposite a Michael Thomas, a guy that's, uh, you know, reasonably priced, uh, but also give you that type of production. I feel like that would give the Saints an opportunity to feel like they can actually wait uh, for a guy like uh, Mechie to order, order for him to uh, go out and, you know, get better, heal up, because they feel like they already have a number two. And then when he comes in, it just be an embarrassment of riches. But I do think the way that the Saints are structured, uh, what uh, Tyra was alluding to with the cap, uh, you you want to go out there and you want to get yourself a young playmaker at receiver. So, because of his uh, issue, because of his injury, it might he might not fall into the lap of the Saints because maybe the Saints feel like they need 
a guy that can help them win right now and there's not much time that they can, you know, they need to be waiting. So maybe they'll end up getting a, a top a wide receiver in the first round because, you know, because he's hurt. But if he wasn't, that would be a guy that I would be interested in. Uh, Ant-Man, I know, but he's young. They heal better. I have no doubt uh, Mechie will bounce back. Yeah, he's going to bounce back, man. But like I said, I, I, I think for – I think he's more of a a guy that a team would draft where they feel like, you know, we we can wait for him to get better. We can wait for him to get better. Um, somebody like like the Colts, you know, I feel like they have some really good receivers out there. So when he comes in, you know, he'll just add to the wide receiver room. We're, uh, we'd love for us to get Olave um, out of Ohio State, but I don't see him dropping to 9 or 12. The Giants have a couple of draft picks early, so – Maybe we can sneak in there and make something happen. Well, look, I, I don't think that um, – I think that when you look at teams' needs that's in the top ten, I think that the Saints, that it, it, it's, it's attainable. Okay, um, I don't think it's attainable if you just end up going on this crazy wild winning streak, you know. I don't think that it's attainable. But at, at where the Saints sit at right now, and if, uh, you know, you stay kind of in that position and kind of, you know, you know, kind of fluctuate between, you know what I'm saying, the teams, I think that you can get them. I mean, based on what I see in the top 10, what teams actually need offensive linemen, uh, pass rushers, uh, guys like that, I think that he would easily uh, fall to the New Orleans Saints, you know, um, even if he doesn't, you know I mean? His, his teammate Griffin is just as good as he is. So um, I think that it's win-win for the New Orleans Saints to me. Uh, I agree with you, TJ. We have uh, multi- uh, functional players at every position except for wide receiver we need to incorporate that expectation to the wide receiver room also yeah um I, that's 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 how i feel you know i don't think that you need to just go with role players anymore uh role players that's fine but i do think that that's the reason why the saints are in a position that they're in right now that's the reason why we're not getting as much production out of these receivers as we should is because the saints have trained these guys to be role players Guys to be seat fillers, uh, guys to run slot, you know what I'm saying, in the slot, run a, a handful of routes, you know, guys to be distractions, decoys, if you will. You know, they're not really designed to be that guy for the ball to come their way consistently. You need guys that, that have that type of mind frame, that's used uh, to getting the ball, that's used to, you know what I'm saying, plays coming their way. And not just few and far in between and not me just being out there just to be a solid blocker on the edge for Alvin Kamara on stretch and toss plays. So that's the reason why the Saints are in the position that they're in right now. Uh, but I do want to take a moment. Um, I got to uh, mention this sponsor, uh, LinkedIn Talent Solutions. Uh, thank you to the fine folks at LinkedIn Talent Solutions. Says these days, it can be hard to find and hire the right candidates for your small business. That's why LinkedIn Jobs made it easy to find people you want to talk to faster and for free. Yeah, man, sometimes, you know, if you're running a small business, it's kind of hard to find talent. I mean, we've been in, I've been in that position before, you know, being a manager, you know, it's kind of hard to find the right people to do the job. Okay. That's why LinkedIn uh, is here for you. Uh, create free job posts in minutes on LinkedIn job to reach your network and beyond the world's largest professional network of over 770 million people. Focus on candidates with the right skills and experience using screen questions to get uh, your role in front of only the most qualified. 
They use simple tools on LinkedIn jobs to quickly filter and prioritize who you like to interview and hire. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn job number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. Uh, LinkedIn jobs helps find the candidates you want to talk to faster. And did you know every week, nearly 40 million job seekers visit LinkedIn. Post your job for free on LinkedIn.com slash SOTS. Okay. All you got to do is go to LinkedIn.com slash SOTS. All right. So shouts out to LinkedIn uh, for those out there as entrepreneurs looking for the right people, looking for the uh, right uh, candidate. Rather, you're, you know, you have your small business or you're working somewhere else, you know, that needs talent. LinkedIn is there for you. All right. We're going to stroll down a little bit. Going to go to it's Jay. Drink a little water. Oh, and almost fell. Anyway. Also, it wouldn't uh, help to develop shaking my head spell check. Uh, let's see, Cam uh, and Mike on the co- Cam and Mark on a COVID list. Probably not uh, playing on Sunday. And Deontay Harris started in, uh, a three-game suspension, headed down from his DUI in the summer. Um, yeah, <clears throat> it's rough. It's rough, but at the same time, you know, I mean, the Saints been dealing with adversity all year long, so. Really no surprise here. Saints drafting left tackle first round. Wouldn't surprise me at all, bro. Wouldn't surprise me at all. Uh, Maybe he will slip to the second round for the Saints. Uh, I guess we're talking about the – we're talking about Olavi. um, Nah, that's not going to happen. If you're talking about uh, Mechie, yeah, most likely he probably will due to the ACL tear. The Saints need a good slot receiver and for Jawan Johnson to start at tight end. Uh, I think that's a good idea. You know, I think they do need a a, a tight end. Uh, I mean, a, a good slot receiver. But I think the Saints need a, a receiver that can do other things as well. Play on the inside, play on the outside. Uh, you know, be able to win their matchups one on one. Um, that's that's mostly what I'm looking for right now. You know, I'm looking for that. Maybe they can train Deontay Harris to be that slot receiver that they're looking for. I think he can do damage in a slot. Uh, but I think the Saints need a wide receiver that can that can take over a game, a guy that can get 100 yards, okay, and 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 a guy that can go out here and, and and be that monster that we need them to be. As far as Jawan Johnson is concerned, I think the Saints don't make him that number one tight end. Is for the simple fact that he's not really that good as as a blocker. You know, I think that the Saints want a tight end that can catch, but they also want somebody that can be able to block. I think that's the issue that they had a couple of years ago with Jimmy Graham. Jimmy Graham was a really good, uh, you know, pass catcher, but he couldn't block. So he had to get, he had to lead a game and be out the game when the Saints needed to uh, go out there and, and run the football. You know, they had to bring in Josh Hill. They had to bring in, you know, guy like, uh, you know, some of the, some of these other uh, tight ends, you know what I'm saying, that they had out there, you know, guys that were better blockers. So you want a, a guy that can be able to catch the pass, but you also – want to be able to, you know, have a guy that's going to go out there and block because, you know, your offense becomes kind of one-dimensional and predictable uh, when you have a guy uh, that only can do one thing. If they if they see Jawan Johnson parade out there on the field, nine times out of ten, they know that it's a, you know, that it's a passing play. And that's when you fall into the, the trap of predictability. Uh, let me see. Godwin is a, a free agent next. But I know he's uh, going to be way out of our price tag 
after we paid for a quarterback. Yeah, you know, look, I think that this guy, guy when he's going to be a number one receiver somewhere, sometimes you got to count your losses. Uh, I can see the New Orleans Saints. To me, I'm, I'm a big Juju Smith-Schuster fan. You know, I think Juju would be a really good fit uh, for the New Orleans Saints. I think that Juju can win matchups. I think that Juju can be a 100-yard receiver in some games. I think that if somebody goes down, I think Juju can uh, be a number one receiver. You can count on him to be able to be where he needs to be, and he can get yards after the catch. And I've also been seeing people talk about, you know, this guy on TikTok and all that kind of stuff there and talk about, oh, you know, he, he's a prima donna and he's a social media guy. Man, all these guys are social media guys, to be honest with you. You know what I'm saying? Like, we we follow these guys on social media. You know what I'm saying? We watch what they say. We watch what they do. Uh, I, I think that, you know, media has, like, their picks and chooses, and they can create stories to make us like or dislike a player. Uh, Juju, look, whatever he does in his spare time, I, I, as long as it ain't, like, detrimental to the team or he getting himself caught up or getting himself arrested, then, you know, I ain't got no problem with it. I think that the guy is a solid player, and I think that he's a team guy. I mean, people will talk about that TikTok uh, situation, but they won't talk about the way that this dude stood up for Antonio Brown uh, when Vontaze Burfick knocked him out of a playoff game, and, you know what I'm saying, Juju went out there and laid that boon to Vontaze and knocked him out of the game, you know what I'm saying, because he – purposely knocked out Antonio Brown. But we don't talk about those type of things, but we'll talk about him dancing on the Buffalo Bills uh, logo because, you know what I'm saying, that's not what football players are supposed to do. Guys that are serious don't be on TikTok. I, I don't know. I think the dude is a solid good – I think the guy's a solid football player, and I would love to have him being opposite of Michael Thomas. And then on top of that, I don't feel like he would demand as much money as a guy would demand as much money as Michael Gallup. Because in a, both of those guys' cases, they've always been on teams where one wide receiver overshadows them, and they never got the opportunity to be that number one. So with that, they can they can tell their agent to go out there and kind of promote them as such. Well, you know, like they had Mike Evans and Chris, you know what I'm saying? Chris was out there a couple of years ago. He led the team in receptions, and he led the team in catches. So, I mean, he can be a number one for your team. You can say the same thing for Michael Gallup. Right. But when Juju had an opportunity to be a number one after Antonio Brown left, it's the reason why they went out here and they got a, a wide receiver in the draft. You know what I'm saying? That was a reason why, because they didn't feel like Juju was going to be that guy that they wanted him to be. So him being at number two, you know, is proven because he had opportunity to be number one and he didn't rise to that particular occasion. So. I think the Saints can get him at a reasonable price. And I don't think that Pittsburgh going to sign him back because they're just not Pittsburgh MO. They're, they're not one of those teams that like to to uh, sign guys, you know what I'm saying, the top dollar. Uh, I agree, TJ, too many wide receivers that are only good at one specific skill set. Harris can do it all, but there's only so many catches he can get because of his injury risk and his size. Yeah, you know, tragic. That's why you, you know, in cases like, Deontay Harris, you can come up with game plans and, and, and different uh, plays for him because of his dynamic ability. And also you can have other guys that you can draft or you can sign that can do other things, right? You know, he can be the project. It's just, it's just like with Taysom Hill, right? Taysom Hill can do so many different things, so the Saints come up with packages for him. I just don't understand, like, why they don't have packages for Deontay Harris. 
I think Deontay Harris deserved packages. And I think that if you give him, uh, you know, a different package to kind of cater to his skill set, I think the Saints can be a high-powered offense. But I think that would actually come when you actually have guys that can, you know, demand, you know what I'm saying, uh, you know, double teams and, and extra attention. I don't think that you can do those things right now because the wide receivers that the Saints actually have, no team respects them. Uh, Saints are only two games under 500 now and the time to make a push if they want to uh, salvage their season. Yeah, you know, they're two games under 500. Do I think that they're going to salvage this season? No, you know, I, I really don't. I think they're going to try hard. I think they're going to play hard. I think they might uh, irk out, you know what I'm saying, a few games. But I don't see the New Orleans Saints uh, making the playoffs. Uh, I don't see them trying to, make, like, making no push because the Calvary isn't coming. Like, there's not one player that I can just be like, oh, if when he come back, the Saints are going to be dangerous. No, man. I mean, you still have issues at the quarterback position. Uh, you still have guys in and out of lineup on the defensive line. They still can't get pressure on the quarterbacks on a consistent basis, which causes the secondary to have to work extra hard to try to hold their man. You know, a lot of the sacks that the Saints get mostly are coverage sacks, right? You don't really see a guy taking over a game. You don't see a guy that's looking like he's virtually unblockable out there. So I don't think that any of these situations are going to change. So I think that you're going to see guys trying hard, but I really just don't see playoffs in the Saints' future. I don't think it's going to be because they're going to tank. I don't think it's going to be because they're not going to try to work hard. I just think that they're behind the eight ball and they're not as talented as some of these other teams because of all the injuries they sustain. Larry says, good morning, TJ. Joining late. Uh, what's the bad news? Looking for a big win this week. Who that? Uh, well, we got, you know, Cam Jordan, Mark Ingram, most likely going to miss the game. Deontay Harris, three-game suspension. Uh, unfortunately, an unfortunate death of a uh, former defensive end, Glenn Foster. I mean, the list goes on and on. You know, it's just just a bunch of bad news uh, just just coming out of uh, airline, you know, saying airline highway. I mean, it's just it's just rough, man. But um, it is what it is, man. I mean, all teams go through adversity. Uh, it's up to the Saints to to write what type of uh, season this is going to be. It's not over yet, but I'm I'm not really optimistic about them being in the playoffs cd do stay on social media exactly you know but the thing about it is we like his intensity you know what i'm saying and he plays for us you know i just think that when guys uh don't benefit us we we critique them differently right you know what i'm saying like any other okay in in the case of michael thomas if michael thomas was being on social media and saying some of the things he was saying if and he played for the Falcons. We'll be talking about how much of a prima donna he is. Now some of us do. Some of us talk about his prima donna ways, but a lot of us give him the benefit of the doubt because he is a Saint. And we feel like him being a New Orleans Saint, we're Saints fans. We need to defend him. Good, bad, or indifferent. But that's just the way that it goes. I don't think that this TikTok situation with Juju would mean much uh if he was playing for the saints because we'll be somewhere trying to protect him and telling other people oh no man he plays hard he tries hard man he a gamer so i just think sometimes man we have like these these picks and chooses we we show favoritism towards people that we like uh we turn our heads uh towards uh certain situations um that involve players when it in, when it's in our benefit but when it doesn't that's when we really just try to go down here and try to 
you know, attack a guy and talk about, oh, his, his character and his behavior is completely unacceptable. Hey, TJ, uh, they have uh, some great tight ends coming out. Texas A&M, Jalen, Widermeyer, and Notre Dame, Michael Meyer, on a uh, lot more uh, out there in the draft. Uh, what do you think it would uh, hurt to draft a tight end? Um, well, look, I don't think that tight ends uh, should be an early draft pick uh, for the New Orleans Saints. I do think the Saints like – I think the Saints like Adam Troutman. Uh, but I also think the Saints really like veteran tight ends. They like experienced guys. But it's been a while since the Saints really had a tight end that this team could count on. Uh, if, if I was them, you know, I know this guy has a little bit of injury history, but I think O.J. Howard would be a good fit for the New Orleans Saints. Um, and uh, I just think that some of these other tight ends around, guys that like middle of the pack, uh, I think that they could be like real good fits for the New Orleans Saints. So, and also, you know, I don't, I'm not just going to give up on Adam Troutman. You know, I don't think – I think Adam Troutman, last time we seen him on the field, he, he showed me something against the Philadelphia Eagles. I mean, his last his last play before he got hurt was him, what, gaining like 16, 18 yards to try to fight, to try to get a first down for his team. So um, that type of uh, mentality shows you that he actually cares. And I think that he might become a better player, you know. Because, I mean, if we didn't see that game, then I think a lot of members of the Huda Nation probably just think, well, man, this dude's a lost cause. But uh, the way that he laid it out there on the field against the Philadelphia Eagles just shows me that Adam Troutman may be uh, the right guy for the job in the future. I just think that he just needs some experience. Russell Wilson's camp now has stated he will waive his no-trade clause uh, for the St. Giants and Broncos. Uh, do really think Sean likes players who are messy and the season isn't over. He's a diva. I disagree with the fact that he's a diva, and man. And that's one of the things, like, man, people don't never, like, really realize or see. They always, when it always comes to contract negotiations, when guys want to uh, decide their own fate, control their own destiny, y'all don't find it weird that the media always comes out with these stories, always put these talking heads up here to try to push the narrative of players being selfish. It goes back to what I said at the beginning of this podcast. The NFL has ways of getting themselves out of the, the, the out of the way of attention, you know, getting the most attention when they do just outrageous, egregious things. Like when they don't put the players first, when it's proven that they're not putting the players first, when they are supposed to be making some things change, uh, there's always you know, a story or two, and then all of a sudden it just dies down. But when guys start to want to control their own destiny, when guys want to renegotiate their contracts, when guys feel like they need to be getting paid more than what they actually are earning, then all of a sudden here come the stories about players being selfish. Here come the the, the anonymous uh, player inside of the locker room that's talking about how this player did this, that, and the third. Uh, Russell Wilson has been an upstanding citizen uh, for the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, this dude is always in a community. This dude is well-liked. This dude is a, 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 a philanthropist. Uh, you know what I'm saying? He's a guy that's a humanitarian. Every time you see him, like he's, you know, in, at children's hospitals, uh, you know what I'm saying? He's works hard. He has a really strong work ethic. Then all of a sudden, like he goes on the Dan Patrick show and he tells, he talks about how he just doesn't want to get sacked. And if you've been following the Seattle Seahawks over the last few years, you would know that they never really 
paid attention to their offensive line. They never tried to put things into place for Russell in order for him to stay upright. It's always been, oh, we need to focus on the defense. Let's get this linebacker. Let's get this cornerback. Let's go out here and get this third-string offensive lineman that this team didn't want to be left tackle for Russell Wilson. But he's supposed to grin and bear, and he's supposed to smile and, and you know what I'm saying, and be happy and shake hands and kiss babies for our viewing pleasure. No. You know what I'm saying? These guys want the best situation that they can possibly be in. These guys care about their football immortality. They care about their legacy. And I don't feel like there's nothing wrong with Russell Wilson uh, calling his shot. Teams do it all the time. Oh, it's budget cuts. Oh, they had to cut this guy due to, you know, due to the fact that they were over the salary cap. Are we sitting up here caring about the fact that this dude probably been in this, this city for six, seven years? He, he married his wife here. He had kids here. They have to, you know what I'm saying, uproot and go to another school. I mean, do we care about those things? No, we do not. But we'll sit up here and talk about older players being selfish. Oh, you know what I'm saying? He wants this and he wants that. Like, look, Russell Wilson wants to be in a better situation. I don't think that he's a diva. I think if the Saints were to land Russell Wilson due to if they feel like uh, they feel like it's, it's a better move and they want to be in win-now mode, they don't feel like they can work things out with Jameis Winston, fine. I'm not mad at that. Teams want to win. Just like teams want to win. Just like you want the Saints to win, players want to win too. Nobody wants to sit up here and be losing every single game. Now, some guys you probably have out there don't care about winning or losing. They just care about uh, maximizing their portfolio. But for the most part, if you're a gamer, if you're a warrior, if you care about your legacy, you care about being in a winning situation. So I have no problem with Russell Wilson wanting to call his shot, wanting to go out here and play the best, you know, that he possibly can. And and really just going out there, you know, what I'm saying and trying to be in the best position. I have no problem with that. Harris do four million at a renewal. I don't think they will renew uh, Smith's contract. Yeah, you know, I don't, look, I wouldn't. You know, I like Trey Quan for what for what he is. Uh, I think that he's, you know, he, he got a little toughness to him, but uh, I don't think that. I think what you see is what you get with Trey Quan Smith. I think Trey Quan Smith is going to be a guy that's going to end up being a journeyman. Uh, I think that he's always going to land on somebody's team because I mean he's a really good blocker uh, as a wide receiver, and I think that he can give you a, a few catches. Uh, but I just think that the way that the Saints utilize him and what he has shown since he's been with the New Orleans Saints has not been uh, worth an uh, 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 extension on a contract. Now, it depends on what we're talking about here. Like, if it's uh, something you feel like you can do, then you resign him. But if it's something that, you know, you really have to think about, like if his agent says, oh, we want this, and you have to think about it longer than a couple hours or a couple days, let him go. Sean Payton will not sign Wilson with Hill on the roster. I disagree with that. Look, man, I think that a lot of people are putting are putting way too they putting way too much stock in uh, Sean Payton's um, you know relationship with Taysom Hill. Look, Sean Payton has to believe in Taysom Hill because he has to. You know what I'm saying? Like, what what is he supposed to do? He's supposed to get behind the mic and say, "Oh man, Taysom Hill is not a really good thrower of the football. Uh, he makes bad decisions. He's late with the football." Um, I don't think that he's going to be a really good quarterback. So let me just go ahead and try to find somebody else. Look, we can talk about Taysom Hill till we blew in the face. We can talk about, is he a quarterback? Is he not a quarterback? But one thing you can't say about Taysom Hill, you want him on your football team, right? You may not want him as your signal caller. 
You may not want him throwing the ball 40 times a game, but you definitely want a guy like Taysom Hill on your football team. So I can understand why Sean Payton would be singing his praises of, of being optimistic about Taysom Hill because Taysom Hill is a special player for what he does for this team. And there's not many players that can do what Taysom Hill does. Taysom Hill is a trendsetter. You have players out here. We have coaches and organizations right now trying to find people that can do what Taysom Hill does because this dude carved out a lane for himself. That's one thing that you can say about Taysom Hill. Taysom Hill is a great player. You know, great players, you know what I'm saying, don't always be, oh, they're great at their position. He's great because he carved out a lane for himself, and he's going to forever be known as that guy. So he's not the greatest quarterback in the world. He doesn't make the, the best decisions in the world. It's kind of late on his passes at times. But I don't think a Saints fan on here would say that you wouldn't want Taysom Hill on your team in some capacity. So I do think that the Saints uh, understand uh, that Taysom Hill is most likely not going to be their guy as a signal caller for the future. I think that they want him on the team for what he does. That's the reason why they signed him to that hybrid contract. And I do feel like the New Orleans Saints, rather it's Jameis Winston or Russell Wilson or whatever quarterback that they actually get, they're looking for a guy that can be that quarterback game in, game out, uh, and also sprinkle some Taysom Hill in there. So. They are human, not puppets or robots for fans who just want entertainment. Let these guys live as long as it does not affect them and other around them. Yeah, I agree. You know, I agree with that, Chemo. You know, people want these guys to be politicians. They want them to shake hands and kiss babies. I think if, if it's up to every Saints fan, not every Saints fan, but some, some of these Saints fans, they want all the players just to be like Drew Brees. Say the right things, do the right things, go to the right places. You know what I'm saying? Like be around the right people. It's not always the case, man. Everybody's not going to be Drew Brees. Everybody is not going to be taking pictures of their family in front of the Christmas tree. And everybody is not going to be showing you pictures of their kids back flipping on a trampoline in the backyard. Uh, these guys are young. I mean, I think sometimes we, we forget that. When we're 21, 22 years old, man, we trying to turn up. We got pictures of us going to the club. We got pictures of us with, you know what I'm saying, with, adult beverages in our hands probably most likely we have uh you know pictures of us in in, in funny situations you know what I'm saying because we're young we feel like we have the world on a string and we feel like the world is at our grasp you know what I'm saying anything that we can get we can we can obtain you know what I'm saying anything we can obtain we can get I should say um these guys are young and I don't feel like just because these guys play a game that makes you high profile they should forget about the fact that they're young and just like any young player or any young person, uh, they're going to make mistakes. We all made mistakes. Um, we learn from our mistakes. We grew as a, adults. We think back to those points and we say to ourselves, man, I'm probably not going to do that again. So what's the difference between those players? OK, what's the difference between them? You know, want to be on social media and you want to be on social media. They're human. Right. So, I mean, that, that's just the way that it goes. I think he can wait until the end of the season. I think you are taken away from your team uh, during season. I get it. Uh, what are you saying, though? Um, let me see. I'm not sure what, what we're talking about here, Ant-Man. Um, I think he can wait until the end of the season. I think you are uh, taken away from the team during the season. I'm not exactly sure what we're talking about here. I apologize, man. Uh, Brandon says, uh, what up, TJ? I missed beginning of the show. What's the bad news? Uh, man, just, just, the you know, any, man, the COVID issues, Mark Ingram, Deontay Harris, you know, 
I mean, so many bad things happening with the New Orleans Saints. I mean, I'm pretty sure when I leave here, uh, you know, from doing this show, it's probably going to be some bad news probably come down. Uh, he's a Swiss Army knife. Yeah, you know, and there's nothing wrong with it. You know, I just feel like when people put titles on guys and, you know, we get mad at these titles. But that's what he is. I mean, he's a jack of all trades and he should be proud of himself. Like, Taysom Hill should be a proud of himself based on how he came into the league, you know, and, you know, where he came, what position he was in. The fact that he has, you know what I'm saying, made over $40 million or have, you know, is going to make over $40 million it is pretty much re- remarkable for a fact that he came into the league supposing, supposedly being a quarterback. Hey, TJ, a two-lane question. How will Willie Fritz uh, is keeping a job going five and seven every doggone year, even going two and ten this year? But Curtis Johnson did the same and was asked as soon as possible. Uh, I really can't answer that question. Um, the fact that um, I, I think that sometimes teams are more tolerable, you know, when it comes to like, you know, coaches, when they feel like a coach does something well, um, I don't know. Maybe they just feel like they owe it to him. Maybe they feel like, you know, last year was COVID this year. They, you know, I've seen a couple of Tulane games. I mean, at the beginning of the season, they were still playing pretty hard. But, I mean, Tulane is Tulane, man. I think that most likely they're probably going to move into a different direction probably after the next season. So I don't think there's no harm, no foul there. Uh, do I think that they, you know, want a winning culture? Yeah. You know, I remember the days when, Tulane was pretty doggone good. You know, I, I talk about it all the time when I was a kid in middle school. You know, I used to always go to the Tulane games. This was during the time when Sean King was here and Tommy Bowden uh, was the head coach and they went undefeated in the Conference USA play. So, I mean, Tulane, you know, they have some some players, um, you know, that get drafted. They get some uh, decent players that play in the league for quite some time. But I think they'll figure it out. Uh, they'll figure it out, man. If he doesn't get fired this year, if he if he has the same type of results as last year, um, I mean, as the, um, this uh, last year or this uh, year, then they probably gonna fire him. Uh, hit that uh, like button, who that fan? Yeah, I just want to understand. You know, like if you if you enjoy the State of the Saints podcast, you enjoy the content. I understand like why people don't hit the like button. Maybe they forget. Maybe you know they just don't do it. Maybe some people just watch. You know, and be like, oh man, you know. But I would appreciate if you hit the like button, uh, or the like, you know what I'm saying, hit the like button or the share button on social media platforms that this is streaming on. Because, I mean, I would really like for the show to grow. TJ uh, Kitchen, uh, thank you very much for 2000. Finally, I get my chance to shine. No, actually, that's I'm not in the kitchen. I'm in my office, man. The, the cabinets behind me, uh, they just have uh, radio equipment inside of them. It, it just looks like a kitchen, but it, it's just cabinets, okay? It's, that's it's my office. Been my office for what, about four years. TJ, uh, I know uh, we need to draft a wide receiver in the first, uh, well, in the draft. But do you think the Saints' first two draft picks should be wide receivers, or should the second pick be something else different? Um, I think that the New Orleans Saints need to get themselves a wide receiver in the first round, and I think they need to get something else. Uh, I do. I think that the Saints need to get themselves a free agent uh, wide receiver. You know, I think they need to get a free agent wide receiver and a young wide receiver. That's that's what I think. Uh, second round, I think you might want to be looking for, you know, a guy like a, a safety or you want to get somebody that's like an offensive lineman. 
Uh, that's that's what I feel about that. Um, I don't think that you need to have two wide receivers, you know, drafting two wide receivers. I don't think that's the solution. I don't think things have got that bad. I think that it, it looks bad because Michael Thomas hasn't been here and feel like forever. And, um, you know, the fact that you have a bunch of guys that's just a bunch of role guys. I think the Saints just need another playmaker at the wide receiver position and a young guy where you can have him on a rookie deal, right? You have him on a rookie deal, have him go out there and play, and you have like three or four years of production out of him. I think that's where the Saints go wrong. They get these wide receivers late, and they be like developmental projects. And like I said, around three, year three, year four, it's time to resign these guys again. And then if they play well enough, they didn't play their way out of the city. So, you know, you only got like one year of production out of them because you spent the first two years trying to develop them into being a, a formidable player. Y'all smash that like button, share this with everyone, spread the word. Yeah, man, I, I would really appreciate that. You know, I think the State of the Saints podcast is a pretty well-known podcast. You know, many Saints fans know about the show, uh, but there are several that don't, you know. And I would appreciate, you know, if everybody hit the like button, I think that it would bring the show into another tier where, you know, other, you know, other uh, Saints fans that may not know about the show will be able to, to see it. And veteran tight end. Yeah, veteran tight end is something that the Saints need. I think Nick Vernette. Um, is a is a good tight end. He's he just, he's been playing pretty well since he's been there. I remember that undefeated season myself, TJ with Tulane. Would love to see success with that school again. Well, those guys aren't hurting. I mean, if you don't end up going to the NFL, you end up being a bomb lawyer. You know, saying sitting in a high rise somewhere. You know, what I'm saying making a lot of money. So I think it's win win. You know, if you're a Tulane, if you're a Tulane graduate, you know, I don't think those guys are hurting. You know, like <laughs> Tulane is a really good school. Really solid school, man. Shouts out to Maddie Hudak. I think she uh, actually went to Tulane, if I'm mistaken. Um, you know, I mean, it's a really good school, man. So those guys ain't hurting. <laughs> See, when they get out of school, they get that degree. Oh, I went to Tulane. Oh, you did. Okay, here's this job, this six-figure job waiting for you, okay? If you're not going to make a million in the NFL, hey, you can make six figures. You'll be okay. Uh, Pam says, uh, TJ, what about Grambling hiring of Hugh Jackson? I think it's good. Well, I mean, I heard all speculations. I don't know if it's true or not, but if they did hire him, um, I think it's a good move, uh, not only just for Grambling, uh, but HBCUs as a whole. Um, I really like the direction HBCUs are going in uh, now. Um, I think that HBCUs getting uh, the attention uh, is really good for the product. Um, I'm not just saying that because, you know, Jackson State is on top right now. I'm saying that because, I like the energy, you know, I like the energy that HBCUs have right now, the momentum. I like the fact that guys are really trying to go out here and trying to take HBCUs to the next level. I like the competitiveness of uh, teams that I've been seeing as down fighting really hard, like Mississippi Valley state. Um, you got other teams, you know what I'm saying? Like Prairie View, uh, you know, uh, Jackson state who's been down for years. I'm just being real. You know what I'm saying? They, they didn't make themselves um, way to the top. So, you know, I'm like I'm loving it. And if Hugh Jackson can come to the Grambling, Grambling State Tigers, that would be great. He's a great offensive mind. He's a leader of men. He's a motivator. I think he's be he's good for college. I don't think he's so much good for the pros. I just think that his his coaching approach is more for like you know the the college ranks more so than the pros. TJ's office. Thank you very much for two dollars. Says I ain't no kitchen, you clown. <laughs> uh, thank you very much. Yeah, it's definitely not a kitchen, man. Uh, 
Let's see. Absolutely. Great for my alma mater, Gramlin. I love it, too. Yeah, man, I like where all these, these HBCUs are going. Uh, you got Eddie George out there changing around the facilities and bringing Tennessee State back to prominence slowly. Um, Deion Sanders at Jackson State, Hugh Jackson. Uh, you got uh, Mc, Fred McNair, uh, you know, him out there at Alcorn. You know, they they continuing to do uh, what they've been doing. Excuse me, wipe my nose. Got wipe my nose. But anyway, um, yeah, I, I think that all these all this stuff is good for HBCUs, man. All of it. Uh, I'm sure if I'm gonna probably just take one more, and uh, we'll get up out of here. Larry says Taysom is also a sparky and spice the team by how much fun uh, he he's has playing. Uh, the team feeds off him uh, just like they do Winston. I am worried about Winston's knee and when he will be ready again. Well, I'm not concerned about Jameis Winston because Jameis Winston is a is a competitor. I mean, this guy works hard. Uh, he really tried hard to try to make himself a. Uh, you know, a better quarterback than he was uh, in previous years. Uh, he 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 really was all in. He dialed in. He bet on himself. So if he did it one time, I can see him doing it again. Uh, I'm not concerned about his knee at all. I think that he's going to come back back uh, better than ever. You know, that's just me. ATJ Matt Forte was probably uh, the most successful two-lane player to make the NFL, huh? Well, I guess, like, you know, and they had a had a few of them. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think Sean King, for all things considered, was uh, successful. He had a couple of starts with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, uh, played in NFC Championship game. Uh, you know, like, I mean, I think that that's pretty doggone successful. Uh, Moody, you know what I'm saying, out there with the Chicago Bears. I mean, he's playing pretty good. Uh, I, I think that Tulane has some 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 decent players. You know what I'm saying? Like. You know, some people will be like, man, what about J.P. Lofman? <laughs> um, J.P., you know what I'm saying? He had some success, too. You know what I'm saying? But, hey, man, I look, Tulane is a really solid school. Um, they have players that come in. Few, you know, they have a, a few sprinkles in the National Football League. And when they do come into the league, you know, they make some noise. They make they do some they do some good things. Jackson State looking good. Grambling making moves and Southern just over with a thumb. And they, uh, they, you know what? Uh, look, now nah, Southern played pretty hard too. You know what I'm saying? Southern, Southern is a really good football team. Um, I think that they may need another coach, uh, but they're good defensively. Um, I think the quarterback that they had, not not the one that started in that Jack State game, but the but the other one. I think that he, um, with experience, I think that he's going to get much better. Uh, that quarterback that played for them for like 10 years, um, I think that it's time for him to go. Uh, I think the the backup guy is better than he is. Santos, the kicker from Tulane, too. Oh, okay. Well, that's that's not a selling point, man. Okay. Uh, <laughs> that's not a selling point. Uh, hey, TJ, I went to South Carolina State. We are playing Jackson State in the Celebration Bowl. I like Jackson State, but y'all going down. Just kidding. Y'all will probably win. Uh, but we're going to uh, make it a game, go Bulldogs. Well, South Carolina State is a really good uh, defense, good defensively, which most MEAC schools are. Uh, they're known for their defense, running the football, and being pretty solid all around. So Jackson State, uh, by no means, this is going to be an easy game for them. They got to go out here, and they got to be able to execute. And, and if you want to be honest with you, 
Um, that swag championship game for the offense was terrible. Like they wouldn't, you know, if it wasn't for the defense stepping up, getting turnovers, that pick six, that kick return, might be singing a completely different story. For for all things considered, Prairie View did a really good job defensively. Um, you know, like playing that shell defense, you know, playing cover two. Um, it was hard for Shador Sanders to do anything. He had about 83 yards in that game. So um, I think South Carolina State, to me, is a better defense than Prairie View is. So if they go out there and they try to do the same thing they did offensively, they did versus Prairie View, they might end up losing that game. So they're going to have to step it up, man. They're going to have to step it up. You are the voice of the Saints as far as I'm concerned. I see much more success in your future, sending love from the West Bank. Brandon, I appreciate that. You know, I, I talk about the State of the Saints podcast all the time. Um, you know, what I say on the State of the Saints podcast all the time. And I don't try to be like any other show, you know. No disrespect to anybody's show. Um, but I don't try to be like everybody else. Like, I don't I don't want to be sitting up here, you know, reading articles, giving you all a bunch of analytics because I don't try to be the smartest person in the room. Surprise for some people, you know, like some people just get this misconception about me. Oh, you know what I'm saying? He think he know better than everybody. They get on the show, they want to they wanna compete and debate with me. Like, man, I, look, you can win every argument you want to. I don't want to sit up here and be arguing about who good and who bad and why my opinion isn't good and yours is more valid than mine. Like, man, miss me with that. Look, I'm a, I'm a football fan at the end of the day. I grew up as a Saints fan. And I think that this show is for Saints fans. You know, now I ain't saying those other shows aren't for Saints fans, but I'm not the analytic guy. I'm not going to sit up here with a bunch of, uh, you know, index cards and talk about how the Saints was three or 10 on first, I mean, on third down. And they had these many first downs. Like, I, I mean, that's all important, but that's not me. You know, I, I like the barbershop mentality of a show, you know, like you ain't sitting down there talking about analytics in a barbershop. You're talking about uh, why this player ain't playing up to snuff. You're giving your opinion, you know, like no matter if the opinion may be kind of crazy or, uh, statistics don't uh, always confirm it. Uh, I, I, I take a lot of pride in that. I like the way the show is, um, you know. And like I said, I try not to be like any other show. You know, I, I don't, I don't want to be a debate show. You know, I don't want to be a shock jock. I don't want to be sitting up here just throwing random craziness against the wall and hoping that people come back because they want to hear more craziness. Like if if it's merited, if if it, you know, what I'm saying if it's warranted, I should say if it's warranted then I'm going to say, it. you know what I'm saying? Like I, I say it like, you know, if a guy playing like slow, I'm going to say it, but I'm not going to say a guy just playing like slow because I want to have a controversial take. Like I, I see a lot of these shows and I'm not just talking about Saints shows, but a lot of these guys, they want to be like what you see on ESPN or Fox. Like they want to be loud. They want to say all this off the wall stuff. And they want you to be in the comments and being like, Oh man, my goodness. Like I can't, man, how would you say that? Why would you say that? Like, I mean, if that's your lane, fine. But I just think there's millions of other shows just like yours. Um, I just try not to be like anybody else. So when people, you know, come on the show and want to debate about what I said and all that kind of stuff and, oh, I don't have to agree with you all the time, like, I don't care. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, I don't care. Like, I, you know, it's just funny to me, you know, like, because I, I don't get behind the, the camera to talk about, you know what I'm saying, how my opinion is more important than yours. Like, I, I don't I don't know. But some people want to do that. I, that's just not my lane. Uh, there is a place for 
there's a place for Saints fans who want analytics, and that's the BNG breakdown with my boy Aaron. Yeah, man. I mean, Aaron does a really good job with it. You know what I'm saying? Like, he does a really good job with that. Aaron, um, you know, and also he's transitioning to uh, writing columns. So, shouts out to him, man. Really good job there. Um, but that's just not me, man. That's just not me. You know, that there's a lane that's a great lane to be in. Uh, guys that do that research and stuff like that. But, I mean, I, I just don't operate like that. And I could. You know, I could be that guy. I could sit up there with with index cards and talk about stats and all that kind of stuff, but I, I don't, you know, if, you know, I, I like it to be natural because I feel like if I, if I did that, then it wouldn't be natural. Right. If I blurred out a stat, it's because I remembered it all out of the top of my head. It's not because I, I prep before the show. I don't prep before this show, man. I just get behind a camera and let it roll. I mean, anybody that follows the show has to know that because, I don't know what you all are going to ask me. I don't know what questions you're going to ask. I don't even know your comments. So, uh, SOTS and TJ is down to down to earth, and that's what I try to be. That's what we try to be here. You know, I think I think I think all the shows are good for what they do. I just don't feel like my show is like anybody else's. Uh, great a great draft pick. Uh, too many wolves this season. Damien says, hey, TJ, I've been watching you a few years, and you're all uh, right. They have some good shows uh, out there. But for homie, uh, you really do uh, have the best uh, Saints podcast, my opinion, bro. That's real New Orleans authentic swag. Yeah, man, I, I appreciate that. Like I said, they, they have some great shows out here. And like I said, I, I, ain't trying to, I ain't trying to knock anybody. I just, I just don't like to – I, I just don't like to sit up and debate. Like, I, I just don't because – what people don't understand about debating is it's all opinion, right? You know what I'm saying? And and it's also just you're, cho- you're making the viewer choose a side, right? And just because the viewer chooses a side doesn't mean that they're right. You know what I'm saying? Or the majority, just because they choose your side means that the other person is wrong. I It's just, I don't know. That's just, I, I, I just don't like that kind of stuff. Like, I, I like, I like barbershop talk. I like, talking to people that you know from all different walks of life like i like to talk to people that that have certain knowledge of, of football i like to talk to people that don't really have that much knowledge of football you know because uh, i think that we all have something to share you know if you're passionate about any fan base um you know any fa- you know saying any 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 team any fan base that is passionate about a team um i think that your opinion matters and I don't think just because you're not as schooled as some of these other people that talk about it, that that just means that your opinion doesn't matter. I mean, there's there's a lane for everybody. And I, I, I like the fact that the State of the Saints podcast is a lane for everybody. I don't I don't want anybody. I, I like the fact that a person that may not have that much football experience can be in a chat and say how they feel. But if you go on some of these other shows like. You know, you might, and I, like I said, I'm not talking about just saying shows in general, but if they're not knowledgeable, they get eat up in the chat. Oh, man, you don't know what you're talking about. Well, such and such did this. Oh, man, get out of here and make them feel bad and don't want to talk about sports anymore. Like, that's not the that's not the way things should be. People should be comfortable no matter how knowledgeable you are or the product to be able to hear about their favorite team in a safe space. TJ, do you think all these kickers are really this bad or it has something to do with the place holding and long snapping? That's a good question, Chosen. 
I ain't gonna lie to you. That's a good question. That's something that I thought about too. Um, it could be, could be, man. You know, maybe we need to sign Thomas Morstead back just for just for him to be a, a you know, <laughs> it's fit for him to hold the football. <laughs> you know, maybe it's a coincidence. It's not a coincidence. Will Lutz was like, you know, at an all time high. You know, what I'm saying when Thomas Morstead was holding for him. Been on this show since the beginning. I look forward to the SOTS. I appreciate that, man. Uh, Nola Mike says, Locked on Saints is good, too. Yeah, man, Ross does a really good job. Ross is, uh, you know, Ross is like, uh, Ross is emerging as like being a, the Saints Cronkite to me. You know what I'm saying? Like, he's a, he's everywhere. You know what I'm saying? Like, it, and um, look, man, the dude is a star. Like, honestly, man, like, Ross Jackson is a star to me. Like, he's a personable guy. And if you talk to him, like, behind the scenes, like, I've had opportunities, like, before we, like, you know, done interviews together to talk, that's him. You know what I'm saying? Like, that that's who he is. Like, he's – he that's who he is. Like, when he in front of that's, – that's who he is behind the scenes to me. You know what I'm saying? That's, that's what I read about him. But he's a star, man. To me, would not surprise me if Ross, like, end up being, like, you know, I don't know what, what he wants as far as his future. I don't know if he wants to, like – you know, stay talking Saints or, like, move on to the national stage. But whatever he does, like, the dude is going to be, like, special. Like, it, it's, you know what I'm saying? Like, you you can't fake that type of stuff, you know? You can't. Like, just, he's, he's he's like, he's the next man up to me. Like, we talking about uh, somebody being, you know, like, that guy, all right? That, that's Ross to me. Yeah, that's Ross, you know? Uh, I don't like the fact they're changing Saints Nation to Saints Crew. Well, you, did you let them know about it? <laughs> you let them know about it? Uh, we family. Yeah, basically. You know, that, that's one thing. You know, I, I wanted a podcast that that people can come to and, you know, they can turn it up in their office. You know, my mom uh, was uh, doing um, a rehab on her leg. Uh, she was going to the uh, the rehab center. And she would listen to the show and the people would put the show up on the, on the screen. And the fact that my mom can say, Oh man, yeah, turn it up. You know, or the fact that I know my grandmother's going to watch this episode. If she's not watching it live for her to, you know what I'm saying? Be able to tell people about the show. I take a lot of pride in it. Like I, I see some people, you know, they, they be going off the rails with it. You know, I like family friendly content. I like the fact that anybody can watch this show, no matter what the age uh, level or age group is. Uh, no matter what the knowledge of the Saints, you know, that you may have. Shout out to All Saints Podcast. Yeah. Run them likes up, y'all. Uh, I'm stuck with the Saints Nation name, not this new name. Well, maybe they feel like it was just time for a change, you know. Ain't nothing wrong with that, you know what I'm saying? Sometimes you have to, like, reinvent yourself, you know. Maybe they felt like it was just time to reinvent themselves. And, and nothing wrong with that, you know. Once the Saints started losing, I started watching everybody's opinion about the Saints. Uh, I think that sometimes happened. Like, when teams are not doing well, if you notice, like, you know, sometimes, like, you get more views. And I think you get more views because you have other fan bases that come over. Maybe they want to laugh at your displeasure. Maybe they want to, like, kind of, you know, dancing you know what I'm saying in in a puddle of your 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 pity I, I don't know but that's just the way that it goes sometimes 
Looks like your nose running, bro. Take a second. Thank you, man. Thank you. At least somebody told me. At least somebody. Y'all can tell me stuff like that. But somebody going to be like, somebody going to tag that and be like, the one, that one I went 44 minute mark. That boy know it was running. All these changes will have you scratching your head and think to yourself. Uh, yeah, I appreciate that, man. Thank you. Um, but that's basically it, man. Like the, the final word that I just have, uh, it's very, very simple. Um, the New Orleans Saints, they've been having some bad news. But look, man, we got about five more weeks and this season is over. Um, the Saints uh, can write a narrative for themselves, right? They can write the narrative of how they turn things around these last five games. Or it can just be the fact that we're just looking uh, for the future. But I don't expect for this team to lose um, constantly. I don't expect for this team to uh, give up. I feel like this team is going to fight to the very, very end. And, um, you know, that's just the way that I feel like it's going to work. Uh, Deontay Harris situation, unfortunate. Cam Jordan, Mark Ingram situation, unfortunate. Uh, Glenn Foster situation is definitely uh Unfortunate. I don't know what's going to happen with that. Hopefully we find out uh, exactly what happened with that uh, in the next coming days or weeks. Uh, but all in all, man, we still Saints fans. We still going to root for the team. Uh, we still going to support the team. Uh, I like the fact that the Saints are, you know, getting rid of some of this uh, lightweight, you know, that's on a team like Kenny Stills and, you know, trying to still move forward and trying to find ways to try to be successful down the stretch. But thank you all so much for checking out the State of the Saints podcast. Uh, be sure to check us out uh, on Facebook, facebook.com, search The State of the Saints podcast. Uh, subscribe to the YouTube channel, youtube.com, search The State of the Saints podcast. Previous episodes available on iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Anchor FM. And um, also thank you to uh, LinkedIn Talent Solutions, uh, manscaped.com, the official sponsor of the State of the Saints podcast. And uh, I'll see you all later on in the week with more Saints content. Till next time, all I got to say is, who that?